asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Let's be honest, the first place our family turns to when we're looking for a quick getaway is always Airbnb. I know we can find an amazing place to stay at the beach, like St. Simons on the Georgia coast, for instance. Mm -hmm. It's one of our favorite spots. That's what comes to mind, Matt, when I'm thinking about travel. And while you're staying at someone else's home, have you ever thought about what you could be doing with your own home? That's right. Your empty space could be an Airbnb while you are away because that is all you need to become an Airbnb host. It's a lot easier than you think and you don't need to Airbnb your entire house. You could just host your extra spare room if you've got one. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I'm Matt. And today we're talking how to hack your home and live for free with Craig Curlop. Today we're talking with our friend Craig Curlop, and back in 2017, Craig had a negative net worth of $30,000, but by implementing different tactics to earn more, to spend less, and then invest the difference, he was able to reach financial independence two years later in 2019, and house hacking it played a major role in Craig's rapid ascent towards financial freedom, and that is what we're talking about today. Craig's written the book, The House Hacking Strategy, and we're going to cover all of the ins and outs of house hacking and how it is that it changed Craig's life. We're going to discuss the different house hacking methods uh, because there are a variety of options that you can go with. Um, and some of that actually too depends on your personal situation, like if you're single, if you have a family. And so we're going to cover uh, what you need to know before you start ho house hacking as well. Craig, thank you for joining us today on the podcast. Matt and Joel, thank you so much for having me on. Thanks for the great introduction. And yeah, it was amazing to meet you guys uh, a couple of months back. That's right. Yeah, we got to hang out in person, Craig, which was 
a true honor, a pleasure, and yeah, we love meeting our fellow money nerd friends. We got to see his mustache in real life, which was <laughs> yeah, always ne- a treat. Next time you'll be able to touch it, maybe. Oh, <laughs> right. yeah. impressive. Empty you. there. That's um, that's uh, very very kind of you to offer, Craig. We appreciate that. <laughs> uh, the first weird, question, first, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> the uh, the first question we ask everyone who comes on the show, though, is you know Matt and I. Everybody knows that we like a good craft beer, and we don't mind spending money on it. It's something that we splurge on while we're also trying to save and invest well for the future. Uh, so yeah, for you, do you have a craft beer equivalent, something that you splurge on in the here and now while also house hacking and saving your money? So this might be a cheat, but tell me, and if it is, I'll, I'll think of another one. But I splurge on having people like do things for me, if that makes no, any there sense. there you go. Okay. You know, so it's like, you know, an example is... I had this table that I had to put together and I just kept dreading it and dreading it. And so I just called a task rabbit and, and for $30, they came and put together the table in like an hour. And I was like, that is the best $30 I ever spent. Okay. And like, you know, those lingering tasks that like, you got to get it done. You got to get it done. But like you never find times to do it. I just have been hiring those out and they're usually like 30 to $50 to get done. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's a splurge. And it's just so amazing to like have things that you don't want to do already done for you. Especially when you are able-bodied and you know, like you're like, I could do that. I just don't want to. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think of that as a splurge and occasionally a worthwhile one. So yeah, yeah I like that Definitely one. a splurge. But dude, for me, I think it would be so difficult because I get a sense of satisfaction when I'm able to accomplish, you know, even if it's a menial task or something that's more where physical labor is involved, uh, that sense of accomplishment. Oh, you like feel, that? Yeah. So it makes I me like feel good about myself. <laughs> I like not doing it and having it get done and being like, holy crap, it's done. Well, yeah. someday, Craig, you're going to hire one of those tasks out and it's going to be Matt, who's the task rabbit that actually shows up yeah, to yeah, do the job. Yeah, makes me so happy. <laughs> I'm like, man, if it makes you so happy putting together furniture, like dropping random things it, off at random places. It does for myself. I'll say yeah, that. Yeah. Maybe maybe less. Uh, He's an anomaly. For everybody else who's uh, looking to hire out there. But, um, you know, Craig, let's kind of dive into this. You've called yourself an average guy just doing average things. Uh, you've said that motivation is your distinguishing factor. And so, you know, a question we have for you, like, do you really think that basically anyone can incorporate the strategies that you're using to build wealth? Yeah. I mean, I think anybody, anybody on this earth can do what I've done. Right. Um, and as you start doing things and you start being a little different is when more and more opportunities start to come your way. And so people may say, oh yeah, well, like you wrote a book for beer pockets. Well, it's like, well, that came like three years into my journey and I had written 50 or 60 blog posts for them and all that stuff. And so there was an opportunity that came. Right. And so I think that if you start doing things a little differently, you'll see more and more opportunities pop up. And, you know, that's when your life really opens up. Okay. All right. I like it. So, yeah, there's an element of you got to put in the work and you got to be motivated to put in the work before you're going to see the results. And I think sometimes in like the Instagram world we live in, we see results on display all the time and we don't see like the backstory of what it took to actually achieve that. And so, yeah, I think that can be demotivating for some people um, when it doesn't happen, success doesn't happen overnight for them. Uh, but, but let's specifically, let's talk about house hacking. And can you give us a setup? Like, how do you define house hacking? What does it mean? Yeah, for sure. So house hacking is the idea that you purchase a one to four unit property with zero to 5% down. So you're doing a low percent down purchase on a one to four unit property. You need to live in that property for one year because that's what allows you to get the low down down payment. 
And while you're living there, you're renting out either the other rooms if you're living in a single family or you're renting out the other units if you're living in a two, three, or four unit. That rent that you're getting covers your mortgage and you're able to live for free, thereby reducing or eliminating what likely is your largest expense in housing. So this is obviously something that you've done, but why is this, <laughs> like, it seems like this is one of your favorite wealth building tactics, you know? So, so, so first of all, why is that? And then uh, I guess maybe, yeah, what, what got you so excited to share this with other people? So, you know, everyone probably listening to this podcast understands financial independence, right? And that, that basic formula of, hey, once your passive income exceeds your expenses, you're financially independent. And for me, the quickest way to achieve financial independence was to just pick up enough rental properties where that rent or passive income exceeds my expenses. And with house hacking, you really only need such a fraction, you know, you only need three or 5% down, right? So let's say you're going to buy a $500,000 house, right? Which is a fairly expensive house for most of the United States. You're going to put 3% down. That's 15000 maybe $20,000 after miscellaneous costs. So with $20,000, you're able to purchase this $500,000 asset that's going to pay you hopefully $1,000 a month of passive income. It's going to increase in value over time if you hold it long enough. You're going to get tax advantages and you're going to get loan pay down. So your net worth increases in four different ways by putting such a small amount down such that your return on investment is pretty much over 100% every single time. Like I've done five house hacks now, every single one has been 100% or more return on investment. And I've helped out hundreds and hundreds of people directly get house hacks and almost every single time their returns on investment are 100% or more. And I just don't know any sort of real estate or any sort of investment in general that you can consistently achieve 100% returns without the risk and without speculation. Okay. Yeah. I, Matt and I, we like real estate a lot too. And we have participated in various house hacks. I had a renter in the back of a duplex for a while. And actually the first house I bought, I had a roommate in that house who paid most of the mortgage. So I totally get where you're coming from. Matt had an Airbnb in his basement, which is now our podcasting studio. Uh, but while you, you, you've just sung the praises, you also, in the book, you do mention the downsides, which I appreciate because even as exciting of a prospect as house hacking can be for people, it's nice to know all the information. So yeah, what would you say if uh, are the, the worst <laughs> things about house, house hacking? What are the downsides that people need to be aware of before they like jump in with both feet? Yeah, so the downsides is is that it is more it is work. You have additional responsibility. If something breaks in the house, you know, if the rooms aren't filled, like you're in there's higher risk cuz your mortgage without any tenants is going to be more than your rent probably. And so you will probably lose in the short term if you don't get tenants. So you have a little bit of pressure and a little bit of responsibility to get that thing filled. Make sure your tenants get along. Make sure your leases look good. Make sure you screen your tenants wisely make sure the property is working, right? And so there is a little bit more work that is involved in the short term, right? But the whole idea is that you're building assets when you're relatively young, so that in five to 10 years from now, you can offload that to a property manager. It's little to no work for you, and you're just chilling with the passive income. Got it. And, you know, Craig, real quick, I want to talk about too, I mean, like Joel mentioned, we're into real estate uh, here a little bit in addition to the other pursuits that we have. But you mentioned specifically zero to 5% down. We often talk about 20% down to avoid PMI. Can you share with our listeners uh, how they can go about getting a property with even zero dollars down? Yeah, so zero dollars down, uh, that is typically reserved for military folks. The VA loan allows you to purchase a property with zero percent down. Now the downside to that is the VA loan is a little bit harder to get accepted by sellers. 
So in a competitive market, you just might have a little bit of trouble. But because you're putting 0% down, you can probably afford to go a little bit higher, right? Because you don't have any down payment. So that might be a way to counteract that. Uh, another way to get 0% down is what's called the USDA loan. And yes, it's the same, you know, the same corporation or the same entity that grades your beef, like USDA graded. Very they nice. Offer, <laughs> they offer housing loans, uh, but it's more for people in rural areas. So you'll have to just look online to see if your area qualifies. But if you're anywhere near like a, a bigger city, you probably won't qualify for that. Okay. I go to the same place for my steak and for my home loans, Craig, <laughs> oh, personally. No. One-stop shop. <laughs> yeah. uh, you, and I, I love kind of how, how you talk about real estate in general. You say that a big part of the problem is that we're just thinking about housing all wrong. Like the way we think about buying homes needs like a, a refresh because we're looking to basically buy the nicest single family home that we can comfortably afford into our budget. Like why, why is that method, which is the traditional method, which is the route that most people go, why is that such a bad idea? Well, that's such a bad idea because you put yourself in a position where if you lose your job, which can literally happen tomorrow, or you suddenly stop liking your job, your life becomes miserable because you need to work, right? Don't get me wrong. I'm all about owning a home, and, and we're actually under contract for a million-dollar forever home right now. But Congrats. that's after seven house hacks between me and my girlfriend. We've got 20-something properties, and our income from those properties can easily satisfy our mortgage payment. And so... You know, it, it it took five plus years of of kind of hustle and, and living in unideal situations to live now in our ideal situation, which we're very comfortable comfortably able to afford. And so, I'm not totally against it. I'm just totally against first home is your forever home. Jump right yeah. out of the gate, mm-hmm. and you're paying two, three thousand dollars a month in, in a mortgage payment. Yeah, I think that's a different mentality that a lot of especially first-time home buyers, home buyers need to keep in mind as they're starting to look at properties. They, I think they do have that mindset when they're looking at houses for the first time and they uh, thinking about it more as an investment as a, you know, compared to something that is just going to be your forever home. Right out of the gate is an important thing to keep in mind. Yeah, a little bit of that sacrifice early on can pay off big yeah. dividends down the road. Totally, yeah. And, 100%. Yeah, Craig, so currently the market is really hot <laughs> right now. You know, prices are, uh, they're up double digits year over year. Do you feel that it's possible right now to still find an investment property that makes sense, you know, to house hack even in this climate? Yeah. So, you know, it's funny. I actually just did a TikTok that went like semi-viral uh, about nice. this exact thing where, you know, in 2017, everyone Those said, are words, by the way, you will never hear me say, Craig. <laughs> yeah. So, congrats <laughs> well, to you, though. <laughs> yeah, thanks, man. Yeah. It's my second one. So, I'm like, ooh, I'm on a roll. Uh, so... You know, in 2017, I bought my first place and everyone was scared the market was going to crash and people were like, yeah, I'm going to wait, right? 2018, 2019, 20, every year is the same story, mm-hmm. right? And so the, the point is, is just like the market, you really can't time it. You can't time the, the real estate market either. So if you're just able to buy a house every year on the year and you can make sure that it cash flows, then it doesn't matter what the market does, right? Hmm. Uh, my houses can all lose half their value tomorrow. And they'll still be cash flowing me $1,000 or so a month. And even if rents decrease by 10, 20%, they'll still cash flow me $800 a month. So that is like the whole thing is if you can hold on and you're not forced to sell, then nothing will happen. What happened in 2008 was there was a bunch of flippers and a bunch of people trying to make a quick buck. And that's why, and they were forced to sell. And that's why the prices, you know, the, the market crashed. So I don't see there being a big crash. What I see is there may be a, a, uh, a crash in some other market, I don't know, potentially crypto, potentially student loans, student whatever, right? That may cause the market to go down. 
And then because the market goes down, people will have less liquidity. Maybe they lose their jobs and whatnot. And so then the housing price, the housing market will then just kind of go down a little bit, right? But I don't see the big crash because I don't see real estate as being like the fundamental flaw of this next crash whenever it happens. Yeah, there could be some reverberations because of other financial issues in the economy potentially. But but still, yeah, like because it's a physical place uh, that, that you own and people always need a place to live, there's a certain element to which you're right, like rents can decrease, but they're not going to go to zero. And um, uh, Craig, we want to get into your story, though, because you just mentioned the fact that you're buying a million dollar home now. But we, we want to like discuss like all the hard work that it took to get there because your story and the specific house hacks that you undertook are really interesting. So yeah, we're going to ask you all about that uh, right after this break. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. They are committed to high ethical standards and even had to pass a rigorous exam before they could become a CFP professional. They offer financial planning and services that take a more comprehensive view of your financial and personal circumstances and are customized for your needs. Certified financial planner professionals can offer advice on a wide range of issues like reviewing your investment portfolio's allocation, handling an inheritance, rolling over a company retirement plan, building education savings, and so much more. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Kachava is the all-in-one superfood shake made up of high-quality plant-based nutrients. It's got greens, superfruits, plant proteins, antioxidants, adaptogens, probiotics, and in other words, everything your body craves to feel your best. This is where Kachava really earns their 52,000-plus five-star reviews. It tastes amazing. It's creamy and smooth with just water, and it comes in five delicious flavors. You can choose from chocolate, vanilla, chai, matcha, and coconut acai. Kachava is offering How to Money listeners 10% off for a limited time. I've been using Kachava in breakfast smoothies in the morning recently. It's just so nice to pack in a bunch of nutrients early in the a.m. in a way that's satisfying and energizing. So if you want to optimize your breakfast, your workout shake, be sure to check out Kachava. Just go to Kachava dot com slash how to money that's spelled k-a-c-h-a-v-a and get 10 percent off your first order that's k-a-c-h-a-v-a dot com slash how to money and now a word from the show sponsors at betterment do you want your money to dream big do you want your money to be a total self-starter are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough don't worry betterment is here to help Betterment is the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal, rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line, and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words, your money is breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. Spring cleaning is kind of a, an annual rite of passage. We've all got to do it, minimize the junk that we have in our house. Emily and I, we just cleaned our closets out. It took hours, but it was so worth it. Now we've only got stuff in there that we love, and it's easier to find everything too. And so, you know, while cleaning your closets is helpful, 
Well, there's something else you can do for your family this spring. Shopping for life insurance with Policy Genius, for example, is a really important part of your financial planning for the year. That's right. Yeah. And here is the thing that's important to remember because you might be thinking you don't need to check out Policy Genius because you've got a policy through work. But even if you have a life insurance policy through your job, it may not offer you enough protection for your family's needs and it may not follow you if you leave your job. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Policy Genius works for you, not the insurance companies, and that means they don't have an incentive to recommend one insurer over another, so you can trust their guidance. Save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. All right, we're back from the break. We're talking with Craig Kurlop uh, about house hacking. And uh, let's let's start way back at the beginning, Craig. We want to talk about your, your first ever... Oh, Craig in diapers or no? <laughs> <laughs> uh, the first house that he purchased. Tell us about your first house hack uh, because you're all about living for free, but this one didn't get you to that point immediately. Can you tell us a little bit uh, about that one? Yeah, so it was back in 2017. Um, I was coming from a job that I hated to Denver, right? So kind of wipe the slate clean. And I pretty much went all out, right? So I was living, uh, I found a duplex. It was um, up down duplex, totally redone, like very pretty, very good looking. But they were both one bed, one bathroom apartments. And it was a mile and a half from the office as to where I worked. So nice. I knew I could bike or walk to work pretty easily. And so what I did was I rented out the top and lived in the bottom. However, the rent from the top didn't quite cover my mortgage fully. So I rented out my bedroom on Airbnb and kind of put up like a curtain and a room divider with a futon <laughs> in the living room and rented out my bedroom. And so that allowed me to you know, live 100% for free and even make like $600 a month on I, my living I want to call that like blue collar house hacking. Like that <laughs> that's like house hacking to its like furthest possible extent it seems like. Yeah, I would say maybe one step further is like getting a camper and like putting that in the driveway and living in the camper. Which okay. to some people is actually probably more desirable because at least you have your own private space. Um <laughs> but I didn't think of that at the time. So yeah. um, the, the living room is kind of you know what I did and that's kind of like, oh my God, I would never do that. But that whole thing allowed me to save another 30 or 40 grand in the next year so that I could then purchase the next one, right? So I knew that it was just like a foundational approach to- You knew it was a building block. Yeah, exactly. And so it's like, you know, if you're listening to this and you're 22, 23, 24, like, and you're single and you don't have a family or anything, like you gotta, take your situation that you're in and make the most of it. And the most of that situation is kind of living like, kind of like a bum, right? Like <laughs> do that for a year to save. And then you'll, you know, then you can start buying house hack after house hack after house hack. And after four or five house hacks, you'll find yourself, you know, with a pretty sizable net worth with a good amount of passive income. And then you can start doing some more fun things. You can start giving back in your life. I mean, it becomes easier. <laughs> Yeah. You can regain some of that privacy. Did, uh, did you have like yeah. a deadline or an end in sight? Because now you're engaged, you're buying your own home. This was this was like, you know, almost five years ago at this point when you undertook like living in the living room of this duplex in order to maximize the the, the dollars, the cash flow into your life. Like, did you say, 
all right, I'm going to do this. I'm going to grin and bear it for six months, nine months, or a year. Uh, obviously, this wasn't something you wanted to do for a decade. <laughs> this this was, like Matt said, a building block. How did you know how long you were actually going to be willing to yeah, commit to the strategy? Yeah, so ultimately, I knew my life would change. Right? I knew I would at some day, I would meet somebody. At some day, I'd want to settle down. And that this was not a forever thing. But I figured, until then, why not just hustle and get it done? And so... You know, the first one, again, that was like really aggressive, right? I, I really, it wasn't as bad as people thought. Most days were totally fine. There were a couple nights where it was rough, but um, <laughs> that was kind of like, I just knew it was like, okay, it's just one year. It's one year. And so, it, you know, if you ever read the read the book or you know the comfort continuum, I was like, you know, the, the trade-off between comfort and profit, I was very little comfort, very high profit. But when mm-hmm. you have next to nothing, right? Like you said in the beginning of the show, I had negative $30,000 net worth. And so I had nothing. So I need to make the return on investment that I do have really, really high so that I can get there faster. And then as you build up your nest egg, you need a smaller return to achieve the same amount of passive income. And so I'm okay taking a smaller return being less profitable but more comfortable because you know I start valuing having my own room, eventually having my own place. And now we have like, you know, our fully owned place with our own yard and everything. And so and don't get me wrong, we're still going to house hack that million dollar home. We're going to probably rent out the basement and put some tiny houses on the backyard. But like, very nice, you know, it, it's at least something that we enjoy and, and, and will have a really pretty space for us. Yeah. Well, so, you know, kind of as we're at this end of the, the spectrum, right, you're on the profit profitability end of the spectrum. A lot of times you're dealing with roommates and, you know, we've talked on the show before about screening for tenants. How does this change the equation? Uh, is it a similar process or is it different when you are screening roommates? So when you're screening roommates, um, really you need to look for a background. You need to do a background check and a credit check. I like to use a, a company called a Rent Ready, and Rent Ready basically you can send your t- prospective tenants an application. You know they they put in their social security number and their whatever, and they'll pull a background check and a credit check on them. So as long as they meet your criteria there, you're good. You can then call and ask for employer references for previous landlord references to make sure that they're actually at their job and to make sure that they, you know, they didn't cause trouble for previous landlords. You know, you're probably going to meet them to show them the house. You can get a pretty good feeling for who they are there. Uh, and so when they kind of check all your boxes, then you're like, okay, I want to live with you or uh, it's not going to work out. Yeah. And I appreciate that you do all those things because honestly, Matt and I have said this many times on the show before, that's where so many landlords fall flat on their face. They do so many things well and right, and then they skip out on the on the screening process. They don't do a thorough job, and they don't uh, call the previous landlords. They don't verify employment. Uh, they're, they're not checking the credit score. And if you don't do all of those things, then the chances that you're going to get someone who doesn't pay just increase exponentially. Let's talk, Craig, about your next house hack so you had the duplex living in the living room essentially like two house hacks in one uh, and then you got enough cash to to purchase your next property where did you go from there yeah so i got a little bit smarter i bought a five bedroom two bathroom house a little outside the city probably like seven miles north of denver but still right along the highway you can get to downtown denver in 10 15 minutes and so that one i bought and i lived in one bedroom and rented out the other bedrooms right and so i think that's kind of you know, and I talk about a lot about that in the book. And so I think that's where the rent by the room model got pretty popular. And that's probably my, my recommended method. Because honestly, I actually made more on that one from a cash flow perspective. And it was a lot more comfortable because I had my own bedroom with like a door and a closet <laughs> and a window and, and all those great things that you'd expect in a bedroom. 
not just cardboard and a curtain, uh, a partition yeah. like you're in a hospital wing or something. Not, like not that. the Charlie Munger <laughs> approach to building buildings too, where windows are not a priority. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. Well, well, Craig, yeah, I mean, you, you kind of hinted at it, but uh, you know, in your book, you talk about six different house hacking strategies that you share, and you know, it's it's nice to know that there isn't just one way to do it. There are like a few different flavors. And so, what are what are some of the different you know some of your favorite house hacking strategies uh, that folks can implement? You actually just kind of hinted at one of them or at one end of the spectrum talking about the trailer and the yard thing but that is actually one of the approaches you talk about yeah i mean i know plenty of people that have done that i know it's very common amongst like rock climbers and and kind of van lifer people they're like well i do this anyway so why not buy a house and rent it out and so that's kind of one end of the spectrum right that's like the profitability side of the spectrum Mm -hmm. The other side is the comfortability. Now, this is what I recommend families and you know people that are like, oh, I don't want to live with people do, right? So you're, you're at the utmost comfort side. It's still better than not doing it at all, but you just won't profit as much. So you can buy a house with you know the house of your dreams, basically, right? Like you name it, you got the Florida glass ceiling windows, the pool in the back, whatever, whatever you need, but maybe you have like an additional dwelling unit in the back, right? Where you can rent out that one bed, one bath, or two bed, one bath, ADU, and you can rent that on Airbnb. That brings in, you know, maybe that covers half your mortgage. So instead of paying $3,000 a month for your mortgage, you're paying $1,500 a month. That's still a massive savings, and you still come out very far ahead. You know, another way, if you can't find a house with an ADU, which, because those are a little bit uncommon, maybe you can find a house that you can section off. Maybe you can section off the basement, and you rent out the basement on Airbnb. That brings in, you know, that's what we're kind of doing now, uh, you know, my mortgage is three thousand dollars a month, and we're making a we're, we're you know going to make about three thousand dollars a month on Airbnb. So I'm living in the top floor, three bed, two bath, me and my fiance. You know, and we're living basically for free in a great area. So you know, it, it's a win win all around. So basically, you're saying like there's a spectrum, and uh, and and almost everybody you think can get in on at one end of the spectrum or somewhere in the middle based on kind of their desire for privacy and profitability and yeah you're right craig because that uh i think for me yeah i was willing to do the roommate model do the duplex model and now that i've got like three kids we even did the duplex model with a with a tenant in the back for years while we had kids but now we've got three kids and we're like no we don't want to mess with that Mm -hmm. but we would totally do the adu thing and so i think yeah as like your needs change as your life changes like there's there's something on that spectrum for everybody uh, if you care about like saving money and potentially living for free, right? For sure, yeah. And again, it's your largest expense. So I think if you can if you can knock a significant amount off of that, you can have all the coffees you want, right? And, and like you know, you can buy the organic produce. It doesn't matter. Just like my thing is like keep the housing and transportation costs low, yep. and the, the rest of your life ones. will take care of itself. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Craig, I want to kind of get specific too about some numbers. When it comes to maintaining a property, uh, oftentimes you hear like put one percent of the of the value of the home towards maintenance and repair. With these maybe shorter term rentals, whether they're on Airbnb or just with uh, when you're cycling through more folks, I can imagine that there's going to be potentially more damage uh, to a property. Do you change the amount of money that you set aside uh, to uh, handle those repairs? It's funny, actually, the short-term rentals are less. They're less okay. damaging. You know, I was going to ask that because I found that it never got super dirty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whenever someone is only there for just like a day or two, uh, it never gets super grimy in there. Right, exactly. I mean, okay. you've got cleaners coming in two or three times a week. Yeah. They're probably not using the appliances and stuff because they're probably going out to eat. They're hardly ever there because who comes to a house just just to stay at an Airbnb, right? Who comes to a city just to stay in the Airbnb? 
And so you find that there's actually not a lot of damage done. I mean, hmm. maybe they like knock a suitcase into the corner and there's a chip here and there, but you know, those are easy enough to fix. Um, it's, it's the long-term tenants that have their, you know, their curry sitting in the pot that starts to make the walls turn orange or whatever that is really <laughs> the, the damaging stuff. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. Okay. We got a few more questions to get to, uh, including we want to talk about like where do you go location-wise to get the most successful house hacks? We'll, we'll get to that question and some others for you uh, right after this break. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. They are committed to high ethical standards and even had to pass a rigorous exam before they could become a CFP professional. They offer financial planning and services that take a more comprehensive view of your financial and personal circumstances and are customized for your needs. Certified financial planner professionals can offer advice on a wide range of issues like reviewing your investment portfolio's allocation, handling an inheritance, rolling over a company retirement plan, building education savings, and so much more. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Kachava is the all-in-one superfood shake made up of high-quality plant-based nutrients. It's got greens, superfruits, plant proteins, antioxidants, adaptogens, probiotics, and in other words, everything your body craves to feel your best. This is where Kachava really earns their 52,000-plus five-star reviews. It tastes amazing. It's creamy and smooth with just water, and it comes in five delicious flavors. You can choose from chocolate, vanilla, chai, matcha, and coconut acai. Kachava is offering How to Money listeners 10% off for a limited time. I've been using Kachava in breakfast smoothies in the morning recently. It's just so nice to pack in a bunch of nutrients early in the a.m. in a way that's satisfying and energizing. So if you want to optimize your breakfast, your workout shake, be sure to check out Kachava. Just go to Kachava dot com slash how to money that's spelled k-a-c-h-a-v-a and get 10 percent off your first order that's k-a-c-h-a-v-a dot com slash how to money joel so we were just recounting our trip to scotland this is the trip that we took this time last year actually with some of our friends over the weekend and one of the highlights from edinburgh was stumbling upon the absolute best meat pie shop. Mm -hmm. They were fresh out of the oven. They had that perfectly flaky crust. But guess what? That serendipitous experience would never have happened if we'd stayed at a boring hotel. We had found the perfect flat in the coolest part of town, thanks to Airbnb. Ah, oh, Matt, I'm still dreaming about those meat pies. You're making, my, <laughs> you're making me drool. And while turning to Airbnb might be a no-brainer when you're looking to spend some money on travel, it might not be the first thing you think of when you're looking to make some money. Why let it sit empty, your house, when it could be earning extra income, though? It's the financially smart thing to do. Hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle and is a great way to earn some extra dough. Yeah, that's right. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. If you're listening to this podcast right now and you're a small business owner, listen up. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're actually choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. They do everything from hyper-targeting best fit prospects through campaign optimization. Upswell Marketing's unique approach includes direct mail, search engine marketing, and social media ads, and has fueled more than 10,000 small business success stories. 
Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no-obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention, new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. Right, we're back again. We're talking with Craig Curlop about house hacking, and like Joel uh, alluded to before the break, Craig, you know, real estate in general, it's all about location. And when it comes to house hacking, like, how does what what part of the country you live in impact your ability to successfully house hack? You mentioned how you had that smaller duplex there in the city, but you found it to be more profitable further out of the city. Is there a dynamic that folks should keep in mind when it comes to yeah, house hacking uh, in a more suburban area versus a more urban environment? For sure. So, so there's a bit of a trade-off, right? I say that property didn't cash flow me that well. Um, but, you know, a few years later, it, it really does. It cash flows me over $1,000 a month. And because it's in such a great area, it's also appreciated by far the most out of any property. Mm-hmm. So appreciation is how you really get rich in real estate. So if that's kind of your goal, like from a net worth perspective, um, you know, then being in a city is okay, but you just have to know what you're getting into, right? Like if you're in San Diego or LA or, or something like that, like it's going to be hard to, you know, get a property that's going to cash flow a thousand dollars a month, but it's going to appreciate probably a couple hundred grand next year. Right. So, um, there's that trade off that you need to think about. Uh, one thing that I really like are kind of these like secondary tier cities, right? Like think about Denver, right? You definitely would not put that in the same ballpark as LA, San Diego, San Francisco, Boston, Chicago, New York, right? Like those are cities of their own. But like think about like a Denver or a Seattle or an Austin where like the average person can pretty much still buy a home in these cities and especially in the suburbs. And so getting out into the suburbs, right? And some people want to want to live a quieter life and there's they're bigger you know, they're bigger homes. There's more bedrooms that you can potentially rent out. There's you know, a yard for the dog. Uh, and so being out in the suburbs I, in, in growing cities is really good because as that city grows, right, it's going to grow from the city of the, cent- the, the city center outward. And so eventually, mm-hmm. you know, your housing is going to appreciate quite a bit. So one of the things you mentioned too was being close to, to work and, and, you know, pri- you prioritize biking, which... We're with you on that. Uh, is that do you like when it comes to infrastructure and specific location uh, in a city beyond just the like suburbs versus like interior of the city debate? Like, w- what else are you looking for? What other amenities nearby are you saying like that's going to make this house hack more successful than maybe another one? So if you can get somewhere close to public transportation, that's a pretty big bonus, uh, and it also depends on what city you're in. Right. Um, I know Denver is really not huge in their public transportation, but it's still like a nice little perk. Right. If you can kind of walk or a short ride or maybe even a bike ride to, to restaurants and in um, bars, that's a super plus. Uh, my first three house hacks, I really wanted to be close to bike paths because I like to bike to work. And so in biking on the bike path is a lot more pleasant than biking at, on the streets and stopping at every red light and whatnot. So that was kind of a priority for me. But again, like I, I would say most people probably aren't riding their bikes to work. And it was just like a thing for me. So I could also cut down on my transportation costs. Right. Yeah. And again, that's the second largest line item on our monthly budgets. Right. Yeah. You're killing two birds with one stone by yeah. being on the bike path in that duplex. 
so Craig, you know, let's talk about debt. Let's talk about leverage a little bit. Obviously, you believe that it can be used well, right? It can be powerful uh, in helping folks to accelerate their wealth building potential. Uh, but you can also get in over your head with too much leverage. Are you worried about folks uh, who might be taking things too far and, and overextending themselves? Uh, I'm not worried about anyone who who, who educates themselves, anyone who's listening to this podcast, anyone who's actually, you know, wisely buying properties, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I would be scared if someone was over leveraging a property that they wouldn't be able to cash flow, mm-hmm. right? But like, as long like the name of the game is like, can you service your mortgages if the market were to decline? And so, if you can, then you won't be over leveraged, right? I mean. I've got so much debt, right? But they're all mortgages. It's probably like three or four million dollars worth of debt, which may scare a lot of people, but I don't pay it off, right? My tenants do. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if all of my tenants were to move out, then I, you know, then I would be a problem. But like the odds of that happening are just so low, right? And so you have to like play your odds wisely. So, so what numbers are you crunching then, Craig? Like as you're looking at a property and you're saying like, what are the specific uh, numbers that you're looking at to say, yes, this one works, yes, this one doesn't? That's definitely one I want to buy and invest in because I think it's going to make sense. And especially when you're talking about different ways of making money, whether it's an Airbnb, right? Uh, that's that's a different way, potentially more lucrative, but there's like a little more risk reward there versus like a long term uh, lease on a property. Like, yeah, what numbers are you running and how are you figuring out whether this is like going to be profitable for you, like in the short term and in the long term? For sure. Yeah, no, I love that question. So the first thing you want to do is obviously talk to a lender and figure out what your monthly payment will be because everyone's interest rate will be different, all that stuff. So what's your principal interest, taxes, and insurance in your PMI every single month, right? And so you know those are fixed expenses that you need to pay each month. And then you go to you know, Rentometer or Zillow or whatever, and you look at comps and you figure out, okay, like what can this place rent for? Now, in, if you're in a city, like in Denver, you're you're hardly ever gonna find like a single family house that can rent out as a single family house and, and totally cash flow to the way you want it to be. But like, I look for, can I split this single family house up into two units, right? Like, does the layout easily um, accommodate that? And if it does, I'm like, okay, well I can get a lot more if I split this up. And so I like to, to show, uh, I like to make $1,000 over my mortgage in rent without me living there. So. Um, and how that looks is just, you know, $1,000 over the mortgage, that'll be enough for me to cover any vacancy, any repairs, any maintenance, all that kind of stuff. And that's just kind of my number. Different things work for different people. My most recent purchase, are, you know, our mortgage is 3000 We expect that we could rent out, if we didn't do Airbnb, we expect we can rent the top out for 2200 and we expect we can rent the bottom out for, I think, like 1800 or so. So that's about $4,000 on a $3,000 mortgage. Like, it kind of pencils out. On Airbnb, however, right, I'm going to be able to rent out the bottom for even more, and so like I'm so I've got multiple strategies that can get me to that thousand dollars, you know, and a thousand dollars is just my number, right? You might be comfortable with five hundred, and, and and I'm not saying that would be a bad deal. I would say it's it's more important to act quicker than it is to like make sure that your numbers exactly pencil out when it comes and, to house hacking. And you probably want to be a little conservative when you're running these numbers too, right? You don't want to assume that if you put it on Airbnb that it's rented out. 28 nights out of the month, you might want to assume that it's going to be rented out for 17 or 18 nights out of the month and just make sure that you're not like over assuming the income that that property can provide. Yeah, I would say you don't want to be over conservative, but you also don't want to be so conservative that you're scared and you don't take action. Because 
with house hacking, it's it's more like any other type of real estate investing. Yeah, you want to get like the best deal. But when you're house hacking, it's all about the timer, right? Like, so your timer doesn't start until you close on that first deal. And then you can buy the second one, third one, fourth one. And that's where the power comes in. You're not going to get that rich off one house. You're not going to get that much passive income off one house. And so you can get a killer deal and you may make $1,500 of cash flow instead of $1,000 a month cash flow. But I'd rather have two houses making $1,000 each, basically in like 13 months, than having two houses making $3,000 in two years. Right. Yeah. This is one of those instances where for you, having it be pretty dang good is going to be better uh, multiple times than having perfection staring you in the face. Right. Uh, exactly right. So, well, Craig, you know, like we've talked about the passive income. Obviously, that's one of the benefits of house hacking. But, you know, you're not a CPA, but you, you write about the tax benefits as well when it comes to investing in real estate. What, what are the, the top tax perks of house hacking? So the biggest one is that you can write off a lot of the things in your house that you wouldn't typically write off. Think like toilet paper, dish soap, plates, bowls, forks, knives, especially if you leave them with your house when you leave, right? So it's, it's house-made items. The, the, also, the, one of the biggest things is depreciation. Depreciation is probably the biggest thing, uh, the biggest tax write-off that you get, right? And so the IRS says that your house will depreciate to a $0 value over 27 and a half years. So they allow you to take that reduction, you know, let's say it's a $500,000 house, you divide it by 27 and a half, uh, and whatever that number is, you can take that as a deduction on your taxes year over year over year for the next 27 and a half years, right? And so let's say you make, I don't know, $20,000 on your rental property, well, you're act and typically you'd be taxed on that. Like if you made $20,000 in a job, you'd be taxed on it. But because you've got that depreciation, it will offset that. And if you end up with a negative number, which oftentimes you do in depreciation, you can actually offset that to your regular W-2 income. And so you can actually, like let's say you make $100,000 a year from your job, and, you, and after the depreciation and all that, your rental property taxes show that you lost $20,000. The IRS will show that, hey, you actually know you only made $80,000 this year. So you could potentially lower your tax bracket, so a lower percentage tax, as well as the amount you're actually taxed on. And so that, you know, in itself is super powerful. And that's how you see a lot of people who are like really rich uh, don't pay any taxes because they buy these massive buildings and take a massive depreciation expenses on them. There you go, a little tax hack in addition to the house hack, a uh, little two hacks in one. But uh, yeah, yeah but again, it, I'm not an accountant, so right. Um, no, but yeah. it's true. It's true. I mean, that is that is definitely one of the things about real estate investing. It it can be helpful from a tax perspective, even though your house isn't necessarily depreciating. The IRS says that it is, and that helps you out when it comes to yeah your bottom line. Um, Craig, just final thoughts. What, what else do do people need to know about house hacking that we didn't cover? Do you have any parting words of wisdom? for somebody who's like, all right, I'm intrigued. <laughs> and I feel like obviously it's done. It's been great for Craig. And they've you know, they've heard Matt and I stories over the years about how real estate investing has been helpful. Obviously, we have not house hacked to the degree that you have. But yeah, what are, what are the final things that you would say to them uh, at, at the end of this episode? I would say make sure, you know, I would say you need to take action. And one thing that will make your life a lot easier is finding a team that knows what you're doing. So you know, finding an investor-friendly realtor, finding someone that has house hacks of their own, finding someone that invests on their own will allow you, you know, they'll be able to help you, you know, figure out what house works, what house does it. They'll be able to help you 
They probably have a whole list of vendors of contractors and stuff they work with. They have lenders that understand house hacking can help you qualify for the second house. So just having a team in a community that knows what you're doing will be tremendously helpful. And so if there's one thing you do, I would recommend doing that. Nice. And of course, that is what you do because you are uh, a realtor. <laughs> and that's something that I know that you do for your clients there, Craig. Uh, but man, we really appreciate you coming on the show. We appreciate you talking about not only your personal journey with house hacking, but sharing how it is that others out there, like honestly, wherever they are in life, like whatever their family status, there are different ways that you can house hack yourself. And so, uh, yeah, where can listeners learn more about you and what you're up to? Yeah, so we have a podcast of our own. Uh, it's called Invest to Fi. We're actually we're rebranding to Invest to Fi, but it's also called the Fi Team Podcast. So search either one of those, and and you'll 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 find us. Uh, and also on Instagram and TikTok, I am at the Fi Guy. Awesome. Well, Craig, we'll link to all that stuff in the show notes. Hey, we really really appreciate you joining us today. I appreciate you guys having me on. It's been a pleasure. All right. Well, what an information-laden episode I feel like we just had. Uh, we had a lot of questions for Craig, and he brought the answers. We uh, were able to talk through just a ton of the different things that folks need to keep in mind as they are thinking through, first of all, just you know, thinking about their homes differently, right? Like It's almost like this mindset shift that needs to take place in order for you to think about your first, especially your first home, not as a place that you're going to be living at for the rest of your life, but thinking about it like a, like a stepping stone. Yeah. They're building blocks uh, that are going to get you closer closer to financial freedom. But uh, that wasn't my big takeaway, by the way. <laughs> but what, what was your uh, what was your big, uh, your key takeaway for this episode? Yeah, this is definitely a topic near and dear to both of our hearts as real estate investors and as people who have seen just the reality that investing in real estate and house hacking can yep. dramatically lower your housing expenses, can just make you more nimble, more flexible, provide more financial freedom. Oh, yeah. And so, yeah, it was like, we we know this, we've talked about it, but let's talk to the Let's talk to the expert, the guy who wrote the book on it. And, <laughs> and Craig is definitely that. And so, yeah, I don't know. I think my big takeaway was just the spectrum. I think sometimes when we talk about house hacking, it sounds like maybe some of our listeners might tune out. And they might be like, well, I don't want to own a quadplex. And or they're like, I don't want to have to share my bedroom with, exactly. with a stranger. Exactly. <laughs> or they don't want to do what Craig did. And I certainly don't want to do what Craig did, but I'm proud of him for doing it, is yeah. live in the living room while you're running out the bedroom. Uh, but he had a uh, time frame in mind. He had a mission in mind. And he knew, hey, I can put up this with this for a short time because it's going to provide so many opportunities, so mm -hmm. much freedom for me, not too far in the future. So yeah, I don't know. I like that there's a spectrum though. And I think for a lot of our listeners, they might say, you know what? I can house hack. Uh, I didn't think it was possible before. I thought that it was going to be like too cumbersome, too mm -hmm. intrusive on my lifestyle. But I do think that there is a strategy for everyone. And yeah, I think that's just helpful to note. Uh, and, and he definitely goes into more detail in his book about how you can accomplish those strategies and which ones are best for which kinds of folks, <laughs> depending yeah. on what state of, of life they're in. But yeah, that's just that's helpful knowledge. Yeah. Also, I'm just so glad that we got to talk about his mustache at the beginning of the episode. <laughs> I feel like you and I, we need more friends in our lives that have a, a nice burly mustache. Uh, but my dude, my big takeaway, I wanted to highlight the fact that Craig was talking about the VA loan or the USDA loan. And those are mortgages that only require zero or 5% down. I wanted to talk about that because it's not something that we typically talk about here on the show. Ideally, yes, you, you know, you are able to put down 20% down when you're purchasing a home, when you are purchasing an investment property. But I do think that this is a sound strategy, especially if you're house hacking, right? And so if you find the right property, maybe you don't have all the money set aside. And like you said, uh, it can be a little more difficult to 
win a bid, right? To actually snag a property with some of these loans because they may not be as competitive uh, in a really hot market. But if that is the only option you have, and specifically if you find the right house and you can see how you are going to be able to positively cash flow, uh, if you can see that right out of the gate that you're going to be making $1,000 <laughs> on a specific property, well, that gives you a ton of margin, you know, as opposed to if this was a house for yourself that where you weren't going to house hack and you are just kind of maxing out what you could afford and there is no income potential, right? There's a yeah. big difference between purchasing a home with 0% down for lifestyle versus an investment where you're cash flowing a ton of money every single month. And so, you know, that's not a strategy that you and I often talk about, but it is worth noting that that's an option that's available out there. Yeah, I agree, man. I think those are two completely different circumstances. If you're buying a house to live in that you don't plan on house hacking, that you don't plan on making any income from, like you need to do the hard work and save up the down payment. And I think yeah, that's lifestyle. Yeah, ideally, uh, even for house hackers, like you would have more than three to five percent to put down. Uh, you would have ten to twenty, maybe even twenty-five percent to put down. But if you don't, it is still a different calculation because of the fact that you can instantly be making money from that property. Yeah. Uh, but you want to make sure you're running the numbers. Like Craig mentioned, you want to make sure it's actually going to be profitable, even if you don't come to the table with that 20% down that we find preferable. Totally. All right, man. Well, let's go ahead and shift gears. Let's get to the beer that you and I enjoyed on this episode. Uh, this was a beer by Reformation Brewery, and it's called Jogger, the Juicy Lager. <laughs> <laughs> so what were your thoughts on this beer? This is a local one, by the way, to us here in Atlanta. Yeah, just up the road up in Woodstock, Georgia. And yeah, this was, uh, I would say, light and hoppy at the same time. It was kind of like a pale ale mixed with a Pilsner. And yep. I kind of I liked it. Like, it, it's not a style that I, I don't think I've ever had what's uh, it's anything that's been called a juicy lager necessarily. Juicy lager, yeah. uh, I usually, I don't know, like lagers are usually a little more dry, fewer hoppy notes than this, but this is kind of running that middle ground between that, the IPA or a pale and a Pilsner. And yeah. it was nice. It was like light and refreshing mm -hmm. and I like hops. So uh, yeah, I kind of, it kind of almost like a session IPA or something like oh, that too. Oh yeah. Yeah. Maybe it is. And they just called it <laughs> a juicy lager, uh, but I totally agree. This is a really good one. Uh, the kind of beer that you could crush after going for a run, perhaps. It's got a pretty low ABV uh, to boot. And so, yeah, I'm glad you and I got to enjoy these for this episode while we talked with Craig Curlop. But Joel, that's going to be it for this episode. We'll make sure to link to any resources we may have mentioned during this episode. And you can find that up on the website at howtomoney.com. No doubt. So start saving your money for that next home purchase and that next home purchase. Let's hope it actually makes you money. Yes. Uh, all right. That's going to do it for this episode. Until next time, best friends out. Best friends out. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. It's brand new, season two. 
I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, look no further than the Marketing School Podcast, hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue. It is the number one marketing podcast on Apple and number 15 on business in the United States. Now, if you want to listen to interesting conversations with operators that have been there, done that, also with other interesting guests, then listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.